Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a Tony Award-winning choreographer who has four other nominations and the dubious honor of having been nominated against himself. It's Christopher Gatelli, everybody. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Didn't you? Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Caught me off guard. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me today. And you are here to talk about one of our favorite shows on this podcast. What cast album did you select? Oh, Chess. Yes, yes, it has come up a lot and come up a lot recently. How did chess come into your life? Oh man, I think it was from the One Night in Bangkok single, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also the original, like, I don't know, there was something about the, uh, the artwork and I remember seeing the record in the store and being like, I don't know, it just was very, uh, catchy just mm -hmm. visually like then had the black cover the black with the white and then the white with the black and so just the whole kind of way they um kind of released it was very was very cool and then you worked on chess i, I did you, you told me yeah in the the benefit concert not the, the the one that became i guess the precursor to the one you can get on dvd now but had a lot of the same cast yeah josh was in it and it was julia murney sutton it was it was great how um how early was that in your choreography career? Because when I think when you and I met was right after that, and you were working with Stafford on Alter Boys, and and that was in process. So you were you were working a lot. But when did you start being a choreographer? It was actually right right around then. It was um, I started choreographing in the late nineties, and um, that that was my first benefit for the Actors Fund. So it was, uh, it was great. I mean, when they asked, I was, it was, <laughs> it was a no brainer. I was like, I will absolutely do this. <laughs> happy to help a great cause, but also happy to work on this show <laughs> just to be surrounded <laughs> by the music all the time. Now I have to ask as somebody who worked on it, because I do believe that no, as the, uh, to paraphrase an old proverb, no, no one can stage the same production of chess twice. Did you, what what was the, the version, the story to the version you did? Because obviously there's the British version, there's the concept album version, the, the Broadway production had a whole other plot. And then since then, those like the, the West End version and the Broadway version stories have kind of been merged in interesting and, and, and uh, different ways. So what was the sort of overall story of the one, the one you did? It was actually, it was, a mer it was a merge, but also because it was a benefit concert and they, I mean, and Seth, led, Seth Rudetsky led the orchestra and they went all out. I mean, it was full orchestra on the stage of the new Am. Um, it we had a, a fleet of performers. We had enough for the chessboard. It was, had to be 
Oh wow! Like thirty-two people in the in the in the in the physical ensemble, but then we had a whole choir also sitting above. I, I mean, probably even more than that. I mean, it was it was massive. So I think that I think we it was a, a combo of the stories, but they really streamlined the story to really make it all about the music and get the full orchestrations in and get the full like length, like nothing was trimmed or cut down. Like they really just put it all out there. And that was really, I mean, it was awesome to hear live. Just, I mean, it was incredible. So was this a show that you were hoping to work on at some point as you sort of moved up through your career and, and were shifting in from being a dancer and being in chorus and being on stage to being be, uh, behind the table? Was this a show you were really hoping to get a chance to work on? It, it was actually because there was, I mean, I, I always really did love the music uh, from the show. I thought, you know, I, it, it kind of had like, a, I mean, of course it was ABBA, but it had like a, the storytelling of it was in that kind of like a Vita superstar vein where you could listen to the album and get the story and, and, and understand it and follow it. And, and um and it was very dramatic in that kind of like operatic way, mm -hmm. you know, it was like, so there, I, I was, I always imagined what it would be like on stage because I've never seen a uh, production of it uh, other than ours and, and the, the concerts and, and things, but I've never, I didn't see the, when it was on Broadway, so I've never seen it stage. So I always imagined like, what would this be? You know, the, the ensemble surrounded and the choir surrounded and the orchestra surrounded this big, uh, chessboard that was kind of hanging over the orchestra a bit, uh, with all these ramps leading to it, and it was really, uh, it was really exciting to to have all of the kind of energy focused on that space, and it was, it was really, really cool. How how is that to to choreograph as, as a, I mean, it's a benefit concert? Do they have books in hand, or was everybody off book during the concert? They it was a mix. It was a mix. It was. Um, yeah, they, it was, it was one of those, like, if you needed the book, like you could hold it. If not, mm -hmm. you know, you feel free. But, um, but the, 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 the choreography was all, I mean, the dancers worked their butts off and the ensemble worked their butts off. They were, they were all, you know, not, didn't have books and we staged all the numbers and, and uh, yeah, it was really, it was, everyone was really into it. It, I'm interested a lot in, in, approach to material and how you sort of approach things and having having seen you work as a choreographer and then what i'm oh i've i've found very interesting about your style and a few other choreographers who work today is this transformation of bodies into i don't know a good way to describe it other than transformation of bodies into shapes i will never forget seeing altar boys and you had that i think it was in the opening number the moment where all five guys suddenly transformed like they were on crucifixes and then slid out of it very organically and i was it yeah. took, took me aback i i did not I mean, it made me laugh also but it took me it took me aback i did not expect that to happen and it seemed like at the time kind of like a magic trick like you had you had gotten them into these organic positions to form this iconic image and then slid out of it very easily. And I was reminded of that watching um, Hamilton two weeks ago with my, my son on Disney Plus and the way that Andy uh, Blankenbuehler moves bodies in and out of things to make them rowboats or to make them various pieces of, you know, of, of equipment and then quickly back into humans again. And 
so when you approach a piece like chess that has so much i mean there's so much weight behind it obviously it was a hit in the west end but it was a flop in new york it is i, I think chess fans are divided into the camps of people who think it's passionately enjoy it and people who don't care about it at all i've never met anyone <laughs> who sort of like actively hates chess uh but it, 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 when you approach a piece like this that has some baggage to it has a very specific musical style where did you you know how did you enter into it how did you approach it from a from a choreography standpoint uh well it's it for, for that specifically for for the benefit it was um it kind of it, it was like knowing the temperature of the room and knowing that it was going to be one night and so so I, so I was able to do things that I may not have been able to do in a regular show with regular um kind of mm -hmm. circumstances or you know like cast size and all that kind of stuff so it was it was fun to be able to to um kind of be even a little more creative than than possible and it you know the, at the end of the day it always kind of comes down to storytelling and what supports the story and what supports like how can visuals like you were talking about help support the story so that if people may have not if, if a lyric slipped by that they didn't catch or they didn't understand hopefully that our job as the choreographers are kind of like helping support that so that the audience is following along and kind of getting at least you know getting some getting some story in there so for chess it was fun because knowing that the like i was able to throw some kind of fun zingers in there because the the gentleman from abba wrote it in Murano in the opening, I put like a an ABBA kind of tribute where they were positioned so that they were like, some were standing profile, some were standing directly behind them to kind of <laughs> capture that iconic ABBA mm -hmm. video look. And so I threw some, <laughs> so I threw some like, I mean, and again, I don't know if the audience even got it, but it just, but for us, it was kind of fun to create, you know, just to throw those little homages in. But, um, but I have to say like the, the, the it's still to this day, it's one of, like my favorite things I've ever been able to do on stage is working on those chess ballets because, because of the storytelling and because of what, how the games of chess were mirroring the relationships and having that cast of 32, we actually were able to create chess games on that board. Mm -hmm. So I, so I had to, I retaught myself how to play chess okay. <laughs> and then I had because I I was I was rusty, but I had to, so I retaught myself how to play chess, and then I I literally mapped out two chess games physically so that the players would I could stage it in a way that if you were watching it from above, the games were true and mm. you know certain you know so it was it was a really really fun challenge and and uh, it was yeah it was it was it was fun to craft and and then kind of see it executed it is a very fun show it seems to me that that you you've worked on a lot of shows that i would classify as as fun um it, it would i mean even even uh seeing some of your career i didn't get to see it on the stage but the choreography i did get to see uh at the tony awards for um when you did uh, and on clips online when you did south pacific you you have a lot of energy and and i would say fun that you try to in, that you do inject into your choreography is that something you actively pursue it's kind of part of i think what i try to throw into the mix you know i try you know i love i love trying to choreograph and finding humor and choreography in a way that you know in in ways that again in, in that way i described about like the abba 
moment, like in a way that's subtle that people get, they get and for, you know, and they enjoy it that much more because it is a little subtler or sometimes overt, which is, you know, when you want to go for a big laugh. But I, I definitely try to, in whatever production it is, even if it's a little more dramatic, try to find those moments of levity because it's, because that's life. I mean, so even, even in a very dramatic piece or even in a very, you know, kind of dire situation, sometimes you have to f try to find a little bit of, of light and, and levity. So, so it's usually a, a reoccurring in theme when I'm working is, is to try to find at least a few moments of, I sculpt the number as I, as I work. And then I try to find those moments. Like it's, 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 crafting crafting a number like that especially with something wordy um it, it's like you don't want to step on like you, if you want to laugh you have to make sure that the laugh comes at the right point so that people aren't laughing over an important lyric or something some information that they need to know so it's so it, it's like scoring the number as you're choreographing it because you want to make sure that you're if you do want to joke or you do want to laugh it's coming at a, at a point that's that's good and mm -hmm. and uh, it's not going to step on any anything the audience needs to know. What kind of backing up a little bit actually? The question just occurred to me uh, for people out there who are listening who want to do choreography and things like that. It seems like it's one of the more amorphous jobs of, in terms of how to get it. Uh, where you know you people sort of understand if you're a writer you write something. If you're an actor, obviously you audition. But directors and choreographers, the sort of path to to work is a little bit more muddy. It's, it's I, I I usually I usually say it if I, if I'm doing a like a workshop or something like that. It's it's really taking every opportunity you can because, for example, like like chess, like that was a benefit. I wasn't really working a, a lot then. I was doing a lot of thing. A lot of benefits for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and the Actors Fund, and and other just any any time someone would offer. Up an opportunity, I would take it because I, I kind of started learning that you know you can try to prep or work for this as much as you want, but it's when you're in the actual moments and you're told, oh, this person can't be here today because they just got an audition, and then that was the day you tried to get all of like that a big chunk done of this, and so you have to replan or oh the budget, you know we, we had to cut this be because of you know so it's like it's like an on you. Are constantly learning and it's it's kind of like on-the-job training because there are things that are thrown at you all the time and so my advice to, to choreographers is just to take any opportunity and search out those opportunities for people that that need that need people to stage things for them and then um, because you're you you will learn that's that's where you'll learn the best lessons because it's uh, it, because th those things happen all the time and then when you when you are when you keep going it's uh they're easier to kind of tackle and handle in it in a way that's not as as panicked because <laughs> you know when they sure. first come at you you know you don't you don't think about things like that it's like okay we're going to be in rehearsal and they're going to learn this today and then it's like oh well so and so can't be here with this and we have to change the time to this because the studio was closed and you're like ah, you know so at, at the start it, it can be a little harrowing but then you you learn to plan for those things you know like you learn to have options a b and c so that um, it just makes it, you are able to concentrate on the work and not kind of doing all of the other, other tasks as well.
did you always want to be a choreographer or were you because I, mean, I know you started as a dancer and and were on you know I, I, I would I would like to point out to my listeners you were pounceable in cats on Broadway which I think <laughs> many of my listeners will find to be exciting uh, but did you did you always was choreography always a goal for you it what well I, I think you know it's funny I think in my bones it was since I was a kid I mean I remember mm-hmm. being like playing with our neighbors next door and putting on a record and like telling people to do things, you know, when I was like five or something, Mm -hmm. but, but, um, but I didn't until I, I I worked with um, Scott Salmon who choreographed the original La Caja Fall Mm -hmm. and Chris Chapman who who did um, the guys and dolls revival with Jerry Zaks in one, in the same year I worked with both of them and they were so inspiring in different ways that, challenged me as a dancer that I, I didn't experience before that I, it just inspired me to, to want to create. And so mm-hmm. I, I performed for a little bit after that, like in cats and did some things, but, I, but it was always in the back of my head. Like it was always something I kind of felt a pull toward. That's, that's actually when I started doing all of the benefits I was in cats at the time. And I started doing cats while I mean, started doing benefits while I was performing. So I was, being satisfied getting to perform each night. But then the more I was creating, the more I felt like, oh, this is, this is going to be inevitable. Like I'm going to eventually want to just do this because it just was so much fun. So, and then, yeah. And then those opportunities led to, you know, people, and then people see your work and then it's, it's literally the most, it's, uh, it's so hard to explain, but it's, it's so random how, how careers are created. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that, the one job that you don't, you think is like, Oh, I'm just going to, you know, have a good time putting this together. And, you know, and that, and that's how this had happened. And Rosie O'Donnell was sitting in the audience and saw a number I did for a benefit. And she was like, Oh, you know, Jerry Mitchell was doing my show, but now he's doing the full Monty. I need someone. Do you, do you want to do it? And it was like, yeah, you know, and like, and that started a, a snowball rolling that, you know, if I, I just, you know, all of those moments you just think of that, like, gosh, if she wasn't sitting in the audience that day, what, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. it may have been something else, but you just, it's the most random kind of uh, times. So that's why, again, I always say like, take every opportunity to, to just even try stuff out in any, in any arena, because uh, you never know who you're going to work with and what, what it'll lead to. Oh, it's certainly true. I mean, it, you could drive yourself mad thinking about all the what if permutations going oh, backwards. Totally. I'm interested also, though, when, when you got started and, and you started to get some some notice and some acclaim and your career started to take off, did you find yourself over committing? Well, to, yeah, to be honest, I totally did because I because I was able to I think on one hand, I was able to perform every night and do these benefits and do, you know, and take them on like it was you know like nothing and and but then when it was kind of after altar boys like altar once altar boys happened and things like a lot of people were able to see that and they appreciated the wit or what you know whatever people took from it and then started started getting more calls I was kind of like taking everything because you never know it's like you never know like it's it's either hot or cold or whatever so I was kind of like sure 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 you know and it was kind of tough yes and because in my head, I thought I could manage because I always had, but then, you know, but then you're dealing with like in the best way I say this, but like you're dealing with producer's notes and you're dealing with director's thoughts. And then you're dealing with extra time in tech because we have to hold for lighting and you can't just run back and forth willy nilly to kind of get 
done what you have to get done. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's now it's a different situation. So, you know, I did, I did have growing pains at the start about that because it was like, sure, I could, you know, I'll do it. But then, you know, I saw what that was doing to me, but also to the work and to the, to the teams and projects. And so, I was, so, so I learned to kind of better recognize what I'm able to handle and, and how to handle it. When you're working on a show, even something like chess, which is a, a benefit, obviously, but is a show that has been done before. Um, and obviously you've worked on South Pacific and My Fair Lady and other high profile revivals. Do you do any research into the, the dance from the original productions? Cause those shows aren't, known for the you know that I weren't Jerry Robbins or any of the known choreography position you know they didn't have that big originally conceived and choreographed credit on on the poster um so do you look back at the original choreography for any even even if it's just to know what you don't want to like to what to avoid so you're not copying uh, to be honest it depends on what what it is and how high, how um what's the word how known the the show mm -hmm. is like for example for chess I didn't because I didn't I was like oh well it's, you know it's benefit and it's going to be a fun, like specific evening on this specific set. And so it's, I'm just going to go for it. But then for something like a South Pacific or a, or a my fair lady, which actually didn't have a lot of, of research, but um, that was captured, but like the King and I, like when we did that, that was a big conversation that came up, you know, because it, how, how do you do that without the original Jerome Robbins ballet? Like, I'm sure it could be done like mm -hmm. absolutely. But, I think there's there's a certain amount of homage that's that I feel should be paid to what what did come before. So and what was what's been great about working on the revivals at Lincoln Center is is they're automatically not the same because of the the theater and the thrust and because of how we have to stage it and the way and the way Bart always reinterprets something it's it, it always comes kind of with a different lens in the best way, because he's trying to like, why is this story important now? Mm -hmm. So he always gives it a different kind of uh, look anyway and, and intent. So because of that, it, it no, even what was done before has an ent entirely new take on it. So when we did the ballet, like the bones of it, we tried to honor Robbins because it's, you know, it's, it's classic piece of art, but in a way that we were able to then take it and modify it to help support Bart's production and the kind of the different temperature that he was trying to create with that production. And, you know, because of the thrust, how do we get the ballet, you know, down into the, you know, down and around and how does it look good from, you know, originally the ballet was presented you know, purposefully flat and very, very flat. And, you know, but in, in the, in the Beaumont, people are sitting on all sides of you. So how do you make those lines then look good to people sitting in a thousand different, you know, <laughs> seats? So it was, it was really kind of hard tuning to kind of refigure, but hold on to what people appreciated and loved about it. So, um, so yeah, so it, 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 it's, it, it, de it depends like per, per show, how, how far to go and how, how far to dig and, and, keep but um but that's been the, the, like so incredible in all of those processes to to be able to, to have that opportunity to look back and and like honor but then push forward so that's been an incredible gift it is a really fine line obviously too i mean it's something that comes up a lot on this podcast when we talk about 
musicals that are adapted from movies where there are certain things if you're adapting a movie you have to leave in usually otherwise the audience doesn't recognize it as part of the movie even if it's something theoretically that from a dramaturgical standpoint you shouldn't do but if we don't do this thing it's not that thing that they're coming to see and it's striking that that kind of balance and you've got i can see behind you there you have some your your posters on the wall and i'm seeing two specific examples though for this um to varying degrees of of run length which are high fidelity and newsies where you were dealing with that sort of thing in adapting i mean high fidelity obviously was a book first but it, it is known a property as as a movie um and I wonder if you could talk about sort of, I, mean, I would think that Newsies would be very challenging having work being a musical movie with, I wouldn't say necessarily iconic, but known choreography from Kenny Ortega that you then, you know, were adapting to the stage. And then High Fidelity as, a, as an unknown musical, but as a, like a known property. So what were some of the, the challenges you found in either show working in that kind of audience expectation game? Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, High, high fidelity was was different in that there wasn't as much physical um, expression. So that so we had a little more play, which was which was in very freeing because I I didn't feel like there was you know especially in my department like there wasn't that kind of expectation. So there was a bit of freedom. So when things did break out into a musical number or moment, that it was it was heightened in both levels, you know, that they did break into song, but also they went into a certain movement. And so it was all kind of new and, and, and interesting and hopefully exciting. But in Newsies, it was, it was definitely a challenge because I knew, like, I mean, that was, that was a huge mo movie that inspired me. I mean, mm -hmm. I was one of those audience members as a, as a young male dancer who looked at that. And I always say like in the days before YouTube and all that stuff, like I was, one of the only few male dancers I knew coming from a small town. So I mm -hmm. didn't, you know, and then to see that many amazing guys dancing on, on, a, in a film was like, what that were my age. And I was like, Oh my God. I mean, so it really, it pushed me just personally as a dancer and, and just to see that kind of um, brotherhood just as like young male dancers. So that was, it, it, it meant a lot just to be a part of it in that way. But um but it did, it did come with that, that responsibility. I felt a big responsibility to the fans of the original to, um, to deliver in a way that it captured the kind of rough and tumbleness of, of those boys and the kind of what always I got from that movie was how fantastic, like they weren't even just great, like they were fantastic dancers. And so I wanted to kind of capture that live because I, it, and it also it's an important part of the story it, to me is that this younger generation um you know coming up is is just they 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 keep evolving in a way that they, they keep showing new strengths so it was kind of an underlying kind of component in the storytelling for me but but i did feel a big obligation to um to at least honor the kind of quality that kenny brought out of those 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 young men so it was yeah, definitely inspiring. It's a funny thing, I think, with Newsies that the the music, the Broadway production or the stage production in general really brought it back to the fore in a way that for people who are my age and, and your age, it was already there. Like that was a seminal movie for, for my, my community theater group. We saw that movie 
four times, I think, in the theater. Like, it was just, you were always going to see Newsies. Everybody had the cassette soundtrack. Everybody had the VHS when you could get it. And it was, and then it sort of went away because it wasn't a huge commercial hit, I guess. And for people younger than me, I would bring it up and nobody had seen it. It was not a movie that a lot of people knew. And it was always shocking to me. I was like, oh, and it's, you know, it, it, it's Christian Bale. It's Batman. You got to watch that. And then they go, oh, <laughs> you know. And they hadn't seen Empire of the Sun either or, or Swing Kids. So I didn't know what to tell these people about this, this actor that I really enjoyed or American Psycho. And uh, it was funny when it came back on to the stage and then uh, people started to see it. That was when people started to, I guess, revisit the movie a little bit more. But it really brought that movie and that story and that score, most importantly, I think, back to life in a lot of ways. For sure. I mean, well, the, the story alone, just again, mm-hmm. it's based on a true, that, I love that, that it's this story that it's the true story and it's, it's the story itself is so inspiring. But then, yeah, I mean, Alan and Jack's score is, I mean, amazing. I mean, it's like every song is good. Every <laughs> song is so good. And um, I mean, and just to get, that's why I get to work with them. But I think part of it is, I think what was so exciting about the bringing it to the stage is in a movie, you know, and that's, I always find the difference is in a movie, like you have that director or editor kind of like telling you what to watch, you know, like as a good movie does, like they're, they're telling the story visually. And, but on stage, you get that live experience of watching kind of what you want and where you choose to look. And hopefully if we're telling the story the right way, we're, we're showing people where to look. Right. But I think just seeing collectively those, that cast on stage deliver the show in the way they did, I mean, not even just the dancers, but vocally, like, and that it was kind of right there in your face at you, you know, and, and to see it just live, I think was, um, I don't know, I think it just, it, 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 in a way it was, I don't think it's better than the movie, but I think it definitely feels at home on the stage for sure. What is know? its own animal in a way, a lot of those Disney musical, frankly, a lot of those Disney musicals aren't to me. It, it was, I think that there was a lot of freedom in, in the fact that the movie was not a huge hit, that there was freedom to move songs around, to add songs, to do, to change it in a way that really made a lot of sense on the stage. I mean, just opening with Santa Fe is such a intelligent, dramaturgical decision and one you can make because people might have known the song but it's not a movie like Aladdin or Lion King or something that kids grew up watching over and over and over and over and over again and that freedom is really beneficial to bring out I think what is what we when we were young and saw it in the theater felt was special about it and to make it you know not a movie but a stage production and that's such a wonderful gift to be given I think that sort of really yeah and but yeah, I mean, and to, and, to, and that's it's funny that you say that because it's it's the two quick things are like one. Um, I ran into a friend of mine who was working at Disney at the time, and we were just like it was small to talk, kind of like what's going on, and and she was like, oh yeah, we have a couple things coming up, and she she mentioned Newsies, and I was like, oh, I have to do that show, and she was like, would you want to? And I was like, yes. I was like, who wouldn't want to? And she was like, oh well call them and tell them, you know, that, and I was like, who would want to do the show? So like, I don't, I don't think they knew, like, that's why I kept like, I don't know if they know that how great but they have. Show yeah. Is. Yeah. It, so it was so funny. And, um, and, but it was kind of like that the whole way, like the whole ride of it was like, I just kept going, like, I don't know if they really know, like, how good. Says, but, but also like to, to kind of like 
go down the same street with that. I like when you mentioned Santa Fe as the opener as a huge fan, like there were moments of its creation where like that was, it was like a, a like a moment for me on the page. I was like, wait a minute, they're starting with Santa Fe. How can mm-hmm. they do that? Like, right. you know, like, <laughs> like just like being on the team. And I was like, wait, they can't get that away yet. Wait, why, what would they, you know? So, so even going through it as a fan, like I had to kind of remove my, like I had to take off that hat and go, okay, That's wait, so like you're, you're creating this now. Like refocus, Chris, like, refocus. We're telling a new story, you know? So it was that, even that was funny. Cause there were moments as we went of like, you can't cut that line, you know, wait, Patrick's mother. Why, where is she? How could we not have Patrick's mother? You know, like I was one of those people who like, and I was working on it. I was like, we have to get her in, you know, but I, so it was, there were moments I had just doing it that were, it's just funny because I, I, I was doing the same thing the fans were doing in the room. So it was, it was, it was a fun ride. You know. But I'm, I'm kind of I'm glad you were there for that because it is an important point of view to to have in the room to not I, I think that one of the the downsides to the movie not having been a success is there could have been or as a, much of a success as Disney would have wanted it to be is to slash and burn through it be like this didn't work so let's really go to town on it and it's great to have somebody in the room be like no no it it worked trust me it yeah. worked <laughs> like it just didn't yeah like, you need to change it but not like throw it all out and start all over again because that can be absolutely disastrous as well and that's yeah and that's happened i mean we've oh, all yeah. been, i mean we've all been a part of things like that that you know like either you think oh this is uh, this is going to be an, a brainer like people are going to look and then it doesn't work on stage for whatever reason or something like newsies where yeah it was i still consider it like a success but 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 even though it may have been like a sleeper kind of film for them that, you know, it's was the opposite. Like it absolutely worked. And so it's, you know, I just, you never know, you know, it's the combinations of, you know, what's in the pot at that time. So. How do you deal with the, the sort of opening a show? And as I think, I think everyone who is on a creative team experiences the reality that, that shows are not finished, they're abandoned. And you just sort of like, we, we open because it's opening day. Like that's, we, we set the date and, and here we are. And the response that comes in, I mean, you've worked on shows that have been hits. You've worked on shows that have, have not. You've been, and, and what is the, how do you work that through? You know, the next day, the day after, do you read reviews? Do you take a, <laughs> do you take a break and then read the reviews? You let someone else read the reviews and send you the, the clippings? Like how, how do you process that? Yeah, I, I normally don't because I, I just, I usually, it's a, well, I guess it depends, but usually they're, they're, they're kind of like, they're all your children in a way, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. you know, you watch them, you, you work hard, you watch them grow and then you kind of put them out into the world. And, and sometimes what, like when they're really, spe- I mean, most of them are, you know, like when they're that special, I don't read the reviews because I don't, I don't want to hear what people are saying about my kid you know it's kind of sure. like i i know it's like i i i and 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 you get to opening and yeah like there are times when you go god i wish we just had one more week like uh you know or you know or we've been ready like let's do that you know like mm-hmm. the, so and you know i think by the time you get to opening so most of the time i don't read and you kind of hear trickles anyway so but i i kind of like to usually just leave it as like i know how i feel about it in this moment and you know and appreciate it because you you know someone said once it it takes as long as you have and i never forget that because yeah. it's true like yes you could have an extra month but 
are you overthinking at that point? Or yes, you could have, you know, so I, 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 I truly have, have kind of lived by that kind of rule is like, it takes as long as you have. And then you have two weeks for summer stock to get it up. You somehow it happens. And then you have eight weeks for a Broadway process. It, you still need more. Like it just, you never, you never know. So it's kind of like just hone in for the time you have and enjoy it. And, and hopefully, you know, everyone's working on this, you know, at, towards the same goal and you try your best. It's one of the, the I have to say, and I'll, I'll, I'm glad you're here that I can tell you this, that because I've told Stafford this, working with you guys on Land Where the Good Songs Go at Catholic was like one of the most, if not the most important theatrical experiences of my life as a creator, because not only working with you and Stafford and David and seeing like people really create something, but there was a a real sense of that, of like, we have however many weeks we had to put that show up. And obviously all the songs were written because it's a review of Jerome Kern material, but new orchestrations were coming in, songs were getting moved, characters were changed. And there was a point though, where we all just stopped changing it. You guys like stopped changing it. And I saw David start making notes about, we'll change this later and we'll change that. But it was a sense of like, this is the show, we have to put the show on. And it's not perfect. It's not exact. It was kind of a workshop. So you had a little more freedom there. But it, there was the real sense of like, we have to get down to the business of putting the show on. And that was such a, I'm so grateful I was allowed to be with you guys and in those conversations. Because it really informed when I went forward and, and when I was working in LA and when I was working other places that like, you got to put a show. We can't lose sight of what we're doing here. We're putting on a show for people who've paid tickets. So let's let's make sure we do that. And making the best of what you have, not in a bad way, but in a sort of like, no, what is this? This is, is this doing what we wanted to do? Am I proud of what is up there? Yes. Okay, great. Here we go. It's not perfect, but it's, but it's mine. And that was such a formative show. And I'm glad it survives at least in the album that David was able to put together. So mm -hmm. hear his, his wonderful orchestrations. Uh, but it is really a, a, such an important attitude that I do not encounter all the time among even theater professionals of this there's there can be a sort of like tinkering right up until the curtain goes up that i find is a little counterproductive <laughs> if not yeah. counterproductive uh and has has that been something that you have you've found to be like that at your attitude and, and and the attitude that i was describing in a positive way has that been something you find pervasive in the broadway experience it's completely a mix and I, and, and it's, it's interesting. And, and what I love, I mean, what's been so fascinating on, on this journey so far has been like being, I say like being co-pilot for all of these pilots, you know, like I get to sit next to Stafford and Bart and Joe Mantello. And I, I mean, ever, you know, you get to sit next to these people and it's, and it's watching them all work very different ways and mm -hmm. seeing the results that they all get. And like, they, they're all incredible. God, you know, everyone's incredible. And, but it's like, it's so interesting to see everyone's, um, the way they work because some people will like some people like Stafford, for example, like we, we were talking about that, like there does come a point where I feel like for the act, just for the actors and for, for tech and for, you know, like you have to know, like the actors need to know what form the show is or who their character is. So they can start kind of locking in and, and start to create what they want to tell and and then for lighting like they have to start a plot and they so they can't be focusing all these lights upstage if you're going to bring everything down or like you know yeah. like, like people other people have to know so I think there's there is a point in a process where you start to kind of 
where you have to just go, okay, we're going to commit to this and then like move forward in that way. But I do know there, like, there are other directors who purposefully keep tinkering to the end so that it keeps a cast kind of on their toes and fresh and still thinking and going. And, and to be honest, like, again, I've seen both, both work really well. And I think it's the way the process goes and how that kind of team, like kind of leads, leads the cast and, and, and team to opening, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to watch the different processes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. It, it, there is no right way to do it. I mean, I think it's one of the wonderful things about about entertainment as an industry is there is no one set right way, and it's fun to watch different people do different things. But I will, like, I will say, I find a lot more satisfaction in the sort of less manipulative, more group effort kind of like, yep, this is where we are, this is what we're doing. But there's obviously, you know, people have found great success and work and had great careers and been people been happy to work with people who are in the more tinkery or even manipulative uh, approach to things. And it, it's just whatever, some people can pull that off, I guess. Would be. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, and again, it's like you, you and that, like you're saying, like, and that's to, to me the, fav- the, the best part. And that's why I think I enjoy the side of the table better than being a performer because you do, like there is no right way to do, to do it. Like you just create and you do. And so each opportunity is completely different than the last. And, and it makes it, um, it it just it, it keeps it new and it keeps it like kind of I don't know testing all your skills and and passions and and everything so that that's yeah it's 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 great. Do you have a specific kind of musical you like to work on? Do you like not not just new versus revival, but sort of are you the comedy or a classic style or contemporary sto- scores and corsets, as as my friend Casey Aaron Clark describes them, the sort of oh my like gosh. Frank Wildhorn rock musical kind of. Is there a specific style you like to to work in? I mean, I always love a good comedy. I mean, I always I always love a good because I find you know there's something about because I do you know I like all kinds of course, but it's like there's something about comedy that there's that extra it feels like an extra character almost, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, because if there's something dramatic, sure. It's, it's great to, to have something be beautiful and poetic and, and, and touch people. And, and it, it is, but there's something about a comedy that's, it's like, it's, it's that one extra character that you, it's like, Oh, but you also, aside from telling the story, you also have to get laughs. So, and where to put the laughs. And like I said, like trying to score where, like, so I just, I love the, the challenge in that because and plus i love making good you know it's it's fun, like ultra boy like it's great to be able yeah. to sit in a show like that and just like have an audience have a great time and watch them laugh and, and like get away for an hour and a half and just like you know mm-hmm. so 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 that's it's it is it is enjoyable to um to i i do i definitely love working on comedy i i would i would have thought that was where your career would have trended more because i think was it right after altar boys that you did silence at, yeah. the, at the New York Fringe, yeah, and that was like, I, I sort of th- thought, oh, look, there he's doing that, like that's where it's going to ride. And then you kind of came back into the more classical choreography style, obviously musical comedies as well. But it is, it's a yeah. I I do want people to know if you've never seen anything from Silence or found any clips from Silence, the music, the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs musical parody. It's a <laughs> it's a ride. <laughs> Just tell you. Apparently today was our anniversary. Oh I really? Today was yeah. It was oh, like my. we op- we opened. Gosh, what like twelve years ago or something? Well, yeah, like it's French time. Yeah, it, yeah, something. So yeah, today was apparently our anniversary. So, oh, my. but um, yeah, wow. but yeah, that was it. That was, but that, again, that was a fun. Like it was just a no holds barred. Like, 
let's get the laughs. It's like anything for a laugh, you know, truly. <laughs> I mean, it's so cheap, but, but in the best way, you know? <laughs> well, and it's not a musical. I mean, I guess they could make an, on, an earnest version of Silence of the Lambs as a musical, though it would probably... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I never want to say, I never want to say you can't, you know, you never want to say you can't make right. that into I mean, a musical, but that's a pretty tough slide. I, I could see it. I could see it maybe being like an opera, you know, or something like that. Yeah, even but, then. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's so, to... But it's that thing of camp, right? It's just, it's on, it's even, even though it is terrifying, I mean, the movie's fantastic, obviously. And even though it's terrifying, there is an element of camp to it that keeps it, funny in moments and also keeps it entertaining but if when you add like if you put music on that camp i feel like it would just tip off into the wrong side possibly yeah i mean and i have to tell you like one of the coolest experiences was um jonathan demi and mm. uh, his team came to see it oh my gosh we were we were yeah it was during the run and we got word it was when we were actually i was we were in uh paper mill doing newsies and they were they texted me and they were like jonathan demi and uh 10 or 12 of the people who worked on the film are at the show tonight so i like oh my flew gosh. back to the theater and it was so it was amazing watching them watch the show because they they were they were i mean they it was i'm happy they enjoyed it thank god yes <laughs> right oh yeah that could have broken bad in a serious know, way yeah because i was like oh god please but um but it was funny because they got what we were doing, but also mm. like, like if the, if, when the green light effect comes on, like we did a green wash for the, for the night vision goggles and all that stuff. Like we did certain specific yes. shots from the movie we recreated and they would like look down the row and like point at each other and laugh and, and hit <laughs> each other on the back. And so it was, and, and we, and they stayed after and we, we got, we talked to them and took, it was amazing. It was really oh, so kind nice. of, um, it was, Oh God, he was so, lovely and generous and they all were it was um it was really cool it was really cool yeah it, it really speaks to when parody is made with a sense of love i think it can be enjoyed by everybody even especially the people you're parodying uh and that's what separates good parody to me from bad parody is that sense of enjoyment and love in the thing you're making fun of because oh yeah well that's why i mean because that movie i mean it's brilliant i mean what he oh, what yeah. they all of it. It's, I mean, it's so brilliant. So it's kind of like, well, it's brilliant. So, you know, how can you not? And that was kind of the, that's how we, that's how every thought and every choice we made in the show was, it was like a band, it was like a theater troupe who they were all obsessed with the movie mm -hmm. so much so that they, they felt it had to be a musical. So every choice came out of like this group's like love and admiration for the film. So it was, uh, yeah, anyway, that was the, and you have, you recently started, I mean, I know you've done a lot of, you obviously started working on the Rosie O'Donnell show. So you're used to, you've choreographed to the camera before, but I would also be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you did the choreography in Hail Caesar and mm. we're doing choreography for the camera and also imitate, I mean, not imitation, but sort of homage choreography to a specific style and a specific time. How did, how did, not even how did that come about, but what, what were the challenges you found working on, on that film and on those songs? With, I mean, iconic yeah. filmmakers, obviously. That's got to be intimidating. It was slightly, I mean, well, definitely meeting Joel and Ethan was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was, they, I mean, I mean, they're, I mean, they're masters. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, so it's like, you, it's their masters. So, and I had never done a film before. I mean, Rosie, but TV is different for yeah. sure. And 
So it was, it was like, you're going to, you know, I appreciate you trusting me with this, but, but, but right off the bat though, what was so beautiful was, you know, I, I was a big fan of, of their work, but they, they were such a fan of musical theater and, and movie musicals that, and they had never done one. Mm-hmm. So, so when they, so when we talked about the number, we said, they said, you know, like, well, we're thinking this, how could we do this? And I said, Oh, have you guys ever seen that's entertainment part three? There's a whole extra like disc of like behind the scenes shots where you see these like trucks pushing in like, you know, the stage. And, and so that like Ruby Keeler can keep tap dancing in one, in one shot. And like, but they show you from the mm. side how it's done. And they were like, no. So them like watching them watch that was so, there was like this mutual admiration mm-hmm. society going on because they, they were so fascinated by all of the techniques and like, how do you record tapping? How did they do that? How did, how did they get, you know, so all of that, like to be able to share that with them was so incredible. And so, so, and, and all of what they shared with me back, I mean, it, it was just, it was a, such an amazing experience with them and, and, you know, Channing who had never tapped in his life, you know, it was basically when we got the, when I got the script, it was, it was, it was a transition. That number was really a transition. It was, it was supposed to take place on a boat and he was, he had a mop and he was doing like a Gene Kelly jazz dance. And it was going to be like a cutaway, like, Oh, mm-hmm. he's like in the middle of this number. And then he was going to walk out of it into the scene. And then they just got, they truly just got more and more excited about the possibilities. <laughs> they were like, no, we need to, we need to like make it smaller and more condensed and we got to get in there and we got to get into the guys and, and he's got to tap. Cause it, you know, and Channing was like, I didn't, <laughs> like, I didn't sign up for this, <laughs> you know, but in the best way, it, cause, mm-hmm. but he was like, he threw himself in. Like I've never seen anyone do. I mean, he worked his butt off for that number, you know, and, um, so it was fine. And then, so, and what was cool was they actually used some of those clips in the actual number. Like you, they cut away to, you mm. see the truck beds pushing the, the, the stage together at one point, like they actually used some of those techniques in the creation of the number, which I thought was so um, even more special because the, you know, they wanted to share that with their audiences, something that people mm-hmm. may not know. So it was, a, it was really a great experience with them and I will never I mean the I will never forget the the, the day that I that I, I I made them both crack because we were like you know we were all like in it and like you know we're trying to figure this out and then once we finally were in it we were talking about the the dive bar and that you know they'd be like swing dancing and you know mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff and it was their last day you know on land etc and and they were like well, we should start on the sign of the club and then we'll pan down and then we'll see the clock so we can keep track through the movie. And, and we were, they were like, Oh, we should probably come up with a name for the, for the bar. And we, and we started to come up with names and I said, what if we call it the swing and dinghy? And the, the two of them just, just like cracked. And it was just like, it was like, it was that feeling of like, ah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, to, to get the two of them to crack. It was like, it was very, it was yeah. very You got to drop your mic and walk out of the room like you're done. It's not going to be Oh, yeah, I was like, well, yeah. I, can, I can pretty much retire now. I was like, <laughs> you know, but, um, but that was, but it was like the start of a really beautiful, like, collaboration then, because we, then we, we completely mm-hmm. got each other's sensibility, and then it was just like, no hold barred, so it was really fun.
That's so glad to hear. It's so good to hear they're fun to work with too. People you admire, you always want to hear they're oh, fun to work with. God, they're <laughs> amazing. I mean, his Fran would come on set and watch. Like they would all like it was so sweet like it was like oh we're doing the number today and like mm -hmm. people from all over the studio would just come and watch and it was they were they were great so great it's so great hard crashing back into chess before we wrap up i did want to i have to <laughs> i'd be remiss if i didn't ask what is your uh, favorite song from chess oh that's i uh, <laughs> that's so that's really really hard um I kind of love nobody on nobody's on nobody's side. Mm -hmm. I just there's something about it that is so Abba esque, in, like and the <laughs> harmony. Is. I just I don't know. It just it's the accents, the whole the, the instruments. I, I just I don't know. There's something about it that's it's really good. I can listen to that on repeat for a while. Chris, thank you so much for for doing this. It was so great to to get to talk to you. Where can um where can people find out what you're doing once the world res the world goes back to normal? Resets. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 like social media stuff. My 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 name on there is just it's C Gatelli G A T T E L L I at anything mm -hmm. Twitter Instagram etc. But I usually I haven't I'm not a so big social media buff, but I've learned to be now. So with this time, so I'm, I'm so yeah. So it's mm. I'm getting better. Hopefully <laughs> there. There you go. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. This was so great. Yeah, it's great chatting with you. What's going on around me is barely making sense. I need some explanations fast. I see my friends and partner in the imperfect tense. And I don't see how we can last. I feel I need a change of cast. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at UnknownPenguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Christopher Gatelli for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal.